Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Valhalla awaits those that have shown the true meaning of being a warrior. Better it is to die in battle with honor than to live in shame because you did not defend your people. It's all in the world. I am so pumped after playing the Viking games. You really should do an episode on those. Oh, that's right. In this episode of RDTN, the guys review Blood Rage and Champions of Midgard. They also bring us another installment of Flying Squirrels. Now, where's my battle axe? Hey, guys, and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 80, Blood of Heroes. I'm Tony. And this is Marty. And we are so excited to be back at the mics, ready to go, but not just for podcasting purposes, but in another two weeks, Marty, we are on jet planes, man. Actually, when this is released, we'll be on a jet plane. Oh, my gosh, you're right. It's that. Oh, wow. So if you're listening to us when this drops, because Marty will probably push it out and then... um. He'll be getting on a plane that evening, and then I fly out Wednesday morning for BGG Con when we get there and get to play all the cool stuff. BGG Con 2015, unless, in case you're listening to this in the future. I know we're trying to set up our schedule. Marty is um, sending me a note and said, you're doing this. I said, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> when Rob Davio contacts you and says, would you like to play test one of my new games I'm looking at? You say yes. Oh, yes. You, you, uh, a couple of times. One thing I do want to mention is the Niroshima Hex tournament that will be going on during um, BGG Con. You'll hear us talk about that. Where Marty and I, it's not just Marty and I against the ladies of Chit Chat. Hopefully there'll be others participating as well. And you'll be seeing blast about that. But we got that going on for us. Yes, we do. I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to be doing. And we'll be periscoping over that time and tweeting a lot. Hopefully we'll get to try out a lot of the new games that maybe just came out at Essen or, you know, come out at the end of the year right before Christmas and see what they're all about. But I'm just excited about hanging out with our good buddies and everything that we've made over the years. Yeah, and especially if you're, if you're a member of our guild, I'm looking forward to seeing um, Michael. He goes by Trump on there. He and I are going to run into each other. I hope I don't hurt him. If you listen, you see us at BGGCon, please yell at yell out the name, and then run and go to the other side of the room, yell out our names again, and just confuse us because we're old and we think we'll be getting seen up. But don't run away before you get a chance to get a moon pie because we will have some there for you. Man, you, got, you just remind me. I got to go to Sam's and get the big double deckers because this is BGG Con. I don't go many, man. I'm going double decker, dude. Oh, well, see, I didn't realize this, so I guess I'll need to go in double decker also because I was planning to do the minis just because I cram so much into a suitcase. Well, you can you can go minis and I'll just go double deckers and we'll see who likes who better. Even without the moon pies, we know that yeah you the face of rdt uh, uh, no, so. really looking forward to that man it's just a good time of the year and then of course um just finish up all all these extra life campaigns a lot of success on that so if you participated in that congratulations i hope you hit your mark um i know marty and i had conflicts and we couldn't make it up to dan patrice's and i hope did, did you hear back from him on that from what i saw i saw the number posted today i think he said he made twenty two thousand dollars for uh, gamers for cure so uh they did really well uh, and then we also had our local game club mm -hmm. that uh, participated in Extra Life. And you and I didn't get to go to that either. So next year, we need to make an effort to participate in uh, one of these events. It's just so much is crammed into this time of year right now because we had that. We have our local convention coming up at uh, Mace in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then right after that, BGG. And then right after that, Thanksgiving. So November's a busy month. Yeah, it is, especially for gaming and 
darn it, there was something I wanted to tell you and I can't remember now about, uh, well, it'll come to me. You just talk. That's why we have show notes. You can write that stuff down. If I had known it in the show notes, I would have put it in the show notes, but it just came to me. Now I forgot it, but that's okay. So you still forgot it. Yeah, I still forgot it. It's like a fleeting moment, kind of like, oh, I don't know, a flying squirrel. And now it's time for Flying Squirrels, short discussions on topics that have our attention for now. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. It's time for another Flying Squirrels. And in this segment, what we do is we have various topics that we want to talk about, but we only keep those topics down to two minutes at a time. So we're going to ping pong topics back and forth and we'll just see where this goes. Tony, are you ready? I am so ready. Let's make this happen. In an upcoming Dice Tower episode, Tom asked us to contribute a segment on does hype help or hurt the game industry? And I wanted to cover this a little bit more because he only gives us 30 seconds to talk about this stuff. And I was like, I need to talk about that a little bit more. Here's what I thought about when it comes to hype games. If a game gets a lot of hype, all it does for me is it doesn't make me necessarily want to go out and buy it. It gets me interested in enough to at least do some research on it and maybe try it out in the future to see if it's worth the hype. Now, naturally, some games on their own, when I read about them, I'll get hyped myself without necessarily reading other people's impressions of the game and whether it should get hyped or not. But Tony, I think you came from a different perspective when you talked about it in our segment. Yeah, I thought it was more of a, it gives me a negative vibe, Marty. I'm like, all this hype behind it, it makes me wary. I'm, I'm like, it can't be that good. And I think that's just the curmudgeon in me, Marty. It's just coming out and saying, you, it's not that good. No, there's nothing can be ever that good. So basically your expectations are lowered if the hype is increased. Exactly. The, the more the hype, like, let's, nothing wrong with uh, Stegmeier's latest game, Scythe, right? But right. oh my gosh, it made me wary if I wanted to go out there and back it. So to the point where I'm like, I tell you what. If it's that good, it's going to be that prevalent in the field or out there in the gaming community, I should be able to get to play it. So that to me is kind of where I'm, it's a negative effect for me. Yeah, but also if your expectations are lower, then you're more likely to be pleasantly surprised too. I mean, for me, it's just like, okay, I know enough about this game. I want to get my little bit of a taste in it and to see if I like it or not and then judge it for myself. I'm definitely trying to be better about not thinking I'm going to like a game just because it's hype, because everybody has their own personal preferences. So for me, uh, my one is we got a preview of the new release, Amazing Spider-Man Dice Masters. Now, if you go back and listen to Marty and I, we were all hyped up for Dice Masters, weren't we, Marty? Big time. Again, <laughs> hey, we just talked about a game being hyped. This is actually one that you and I got hyped ourselves because we love the idea of dice games and dice building games and the whole comic genre. Yeah, the pulling the dice from the thing, building a team. You know, this is something different than just playing cards. This was, you know, there seemed a lot more to it. And and unfortunately for us, it the hype was there, the, the game enjoyment was there, but the product wasn't there. <laughs> so I, I know everybody's tired of hearing us talk about it, but they're getting ready to release The Amazing Spider-Man. So for me, I got the um, new starter. They were kind enough to send us to us. And I'm looking at it, Marty, from a standpoint of, is this enough to bring me into the game again? Is there enough variety? Is it different? You know, and, and for me, it's got the spider. It's got all the good Spider-Man characters. Maybe this underdog trait that they've talked about that are on the various cards, these new basic action cards. 
is enough. But once again, it's a collectible. Is it going to draw me back in? And in future, I'm going to do a review on that. And I'll probably post it out there on YouTube. And if I'm going to be lazy about it, I'll write about it. Well, let me ask you. So do some of the skills and abilities like for Spider-Man, does it make sense thematically like what his special actions are that's the problem with the starters they're very generic very basic so yeah they they do make it but the biggest thing was you know two cards um with great responsibility comes great power you know those are two action cards and or flip that or flip that with yeah great power come, I, yeah i, I, you, I, I screwed that up big time but anyway yeah there i mean it's all there but once again it doesn't really. I mean, so he entangles somebody with a web. Okay, that's great. But there'll be more to come on that. Lately, when it comes to playing filler games, like games in 30 to 60 minutes, I've been wanting to find games that are maybe a little bit heavier or meatier. I mean, we can all find quick filler games that you can play, uh, such as, I don't know, you know, we Face Tent. No, I'm just kidding. Like Red 7 or some quick card games that you can play, just kind of fill the time up. But what about for those situations where you don't have a lot of time, but maybe you want to put something with a little bit more meat on the table? Now, one of my go-to games for that situation, Tony, is Vikings, that actually our uh, long uh, Z-Man game, uh, you know, the tile placement mm-hmm. game that yeah. we've played with before with the Rondell. I really enjoyed that. It's easy to teach. It's pretty quick to set up, and then it's very quick to play. Another one that I found, I just tried out the other night, that works really well as that filler, is Nations the Dice Game. Now, have you played that with me? Yeah, we played it once. You wanted me to compare it to a Roll for the Galaxy. So, yeah, I've played it. It didn't grab me, but I think I need to go again and, and not have that Roll for the Galaxy. Is this role, you know, that comparison running through my head? Yeah, sure. So what happens, uh, I taught that to a couple guys who never played the game. Again, it was very easy to teach. The game plays pretty quick. Nations of the Dice game is one of those things that people can take or leave. It seems either you like it or you don't. But again, it kind of feels that it's a filler game, 30 to 45 minutes. At least you got to put a little more thought behind it. So I'm really into those types of games. And so here's the question. And maybe you can go out to our guild and let me know. What's some filler games that you play that you like to get to the table that has a little bit more meat to them? Maybe they're a, a light to medium type Euro that doesn't take a long time to play or set up or teach, but can kind of fill that little need as opposed to playing just a quick, really light card type game. Now, let me be clear so that people can answer. A filler game for you can be an hour or less, right? Yeah, exactly. I know people say that a filler is 10 to 15 minutes, but for me, let's make it a, just an hour game. Speaking of fillers, I recently got my copy of The Grizzled in. And Marty, I don't, is that, would you consider that a heavier filler? It's a medium. A medium. So I got, put it on the table for my wife and our neighbors, and we were going to play it. And, and I know this is amazing, but we did win, but we played it on easy mode. Okay. Oh, come on, dude. I had to, man. It's just one of those things where, you know, you're teaching the game. But here's the thing. Here's the squirrel. I'm thinking this game is simple to teach, easy to, you know, get someone to understand. You can't put three of the same things down on the table. If you empty this pile, you win. I'm like, oh, how hard can this be? It wasn't that was hard. But what the problem was the strategy. Well, what should I do? When should I use the speeches? I don't understand. So I can't do this. 
I was ready to hit my head against the wall. <laughs> you know, and it's funny when I said medium, I said they're going, that's not medium. I was thinking difficulty. It's a very difficult game, but to, to pick up and teach and learn to play, it's actually a fairly light game. Yeah, it's light. But once again, once you move past that. So for me, it was like, you know, but I, I started thinking about when we were getting there, I'm like, am I not once again, not explaining the game correctly. And that wasn't it there. There is a lot to the grizzle and and you, and for those of you who haven't tried it, give it a shot. You'd be surprised by it. Speaking of hype. Yeah. It's being hyped up a little bit, but I think it's living up to its um, hype. What do you think? Well, here's the get. This game didn't have any hype before it came True. out. This, this game hype was generated once it was out and being played. That's totally different in my opinion. Yes. For a $20 game, you want a good hard co-op game. Go get this quick to play, easy, easy to learn. It's worth the hype in my opinion. So sometimes maybe I want to go beyond the hour, Tony, and I want to play something that's more of a brain burner. And immediately when somebody says, you know what, let's play a brain burner type game, something where you really have to think hard. Immediately people are going to go to some sort of heavy strategy Euro game. But Tony, I'm here to tell you for me and my gaming experience I've had over the years, some of the biggest brain burners or when you and I have gone to organized play tournaments and played in tournaments against other people, whether it be like a Netrunner or War Machine, to me, there is nothing more tiring than going to one of these tournaments and playing three or four games, an hour piece, and after four hours, I literally can't think anymore. Do you come out of those uh, events feeling the same way? Oh, yeah. The relief is there when it's all over. The anxiety for the prep to get to it, it's all there. And I agree with you. I mean, just am I well enough prepared? Have I thought about the strategy for this next guy? Am I playing at my best and and laying down those cards? But I will say this. When you started talking about this, I thought about our recent adventures down the Lord of the Rings path where my brain was hurting, hurting when we finished playing that last quest that we haven't won. No, I totally agree. And so I just wanted to, you know, people think that, oh, it must be a heavy euro for a brain burn. I don't think that at all. If, if you get into one of these types of games where it's one of those games that outside the game, it's kind of a lifestyle game. You need to think about a lot and process it and research. And then when you get in those environments and then one of the big things is it's timed. You only have maybe like an hour to play a game. You got to think fast. You got to think on your feet. You're playing different opponents. Everybody has their own strategy. You got to make sure that your strategy can match to what they're doing. After a big heavy Euro game, once I'm done, I can still play more games after that. Once I come out of a heavy, hard fault tournament type environment, I'm done. I'm spent. I'm ready to go home and go to bed. Speaking of a brain burner. I finally got Marty patchwork. You know, it's been out of print and their second prints coming out. Finally, I finally got it. Our local game store picked it up for me. And this was a game I thought Donna and I would enjoy playing because she loves her Tetris puzzle games. You want to talk about a brain burner for a two player game. I can't, you and I need to play this. It seems silly. Hey, you got to put pieces on a board, but there is, there was a lot of strategy to it. Have you played patchwork yet? I have not. So what's, what's kind of the premise? Does it have to do with quilts or something? Well, yeah, it's a, you're, you're stitching together a quilt, but the way you're doing it is whoever gets the most buttons wins. And the way you get buttons is by having certain pieces on your board. And if you can cover up in the most pieces, then you count up. Then at the end of the game, you don't get negative points. She beat me 19 to negative one. Wow. So you say it's pretty easy to learn though? Oh, it's real easy to Wait a minute. Are you saying that because of my skill set that it's actually Donna's the problem? No, 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 no. 
Hey, I'll take okay. that and run with it. No, I'm kidding. It was me. I'm out of the rest of this flying squirrel segment. Okay, no, you don't, 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 don't run away from me, man. Um, no, seriously, it, it's a very easy game to teach. It's real simple. You lay out the pieces, and I enjoyed it. It's quick. It's fast. It's one of, like you said, one of those heavier filler type games to play with just two people, and it was very pleasing. I knew she would like it, but I didn't know she would like it this much because she loves the Tetris side of things. She loves sitting there trying to figure out how to put all these pieces together. And I stink at spatial relations. Absolutely stink. So it it was a fun experience. It's one that we're going to be getting on the table more often. So I'm very happy with Patchwork. Tony, you and I both like to grill and we like to grill some meats and some of the best way to get the best tasty meats is to put some good spices and everything on it. And it just so happens that a friend of ours, Kevin Burkhardsmeyer, Burkhardsmeyer, and I'm sorry, I don't know where you put the, the, the accent on the syllable. Yeah, speaking of butchering, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is the gentleman that does the board game theater, which I'm sure many of you have seen. He's done things like he's got one for Blood Rage where he, he like has kind of does place through the game and does a skit and everything like that. So he has a YouTube channel. But in addition to that, he has a website where he sells these spices. And Tony, he sent us a bag of his spices uh, to us over the past summer. I am still using that stuff. And that stuff is so good. I agree. And I'm sorry, guys, if this sounds like a commercial, but we did want to. I mean, we're more than just board games here, because one of the things that you got to have with board games, you got to have drink and you got to have food. So when I come across spices, because you're I'm one of you, Marty, I love grilling. They're over in the BGG Guild. We talked about me getting a porcelain, like a big green egg grill. So anything that adds to it is awesome. But I did want to, you know, just say, hey, Kevin, keep up the good work. And if any of you guys over in our guild have some great spice recipes, share please do i just got i just did two boston um butts off the grill the other night with this spice rubbed in and i doctored it up a little bit marty i hate to say but you know it was missing a little something for me the last time so i had to add a little bit and kevin i'm sorry but yeah i'm you, you can you can beat me up at bgg con for it but i love to hear about new types of recipes so we're not all about board games here we're also <laughs> foodies and if you want to check out uh, his spices, you can go to happymouth.net. And now one reason why we're really doing this is because, hey, Kevin, if we see you at BGGCon, can we get some more spice? You know, Tony's rants are always out there and about. But one thing Marty and I have ranted about is those Kickstarters that we've backed that took forever to get here. But Marty, I do want to revisit one that I backed was the Double Six Dice. Two years later, we got them. They came. I'm not being negative about this. This guy worked incredibly hard to get these things filled. And, and you got, I gave you yours. I mean, some of them, they weren't perfect, but overall, they were pretty neat. I love them. Uh, what these are, if people don't know, they're D12s, uh, but they, they act as D6s. So basically, there's, there's one of every number, one of every pip, one through six, just on there twice, just on opposite sides. The nice thing about it is I love my D12s. I think D12s roll so nice, and they're, they're good to handle and everything. So anytime I play now a game that uses D6s, I put these in their place because I just love the way they feel and the way they roll. Yeah, and I mean, I was really surprised that just – how well they came up. They seemed balanced. I know according to our local statistician, Taylor, you know, and statistically speaking, the sample size is over a thousand plus rolls and I'll never get that for these dice to tell you if they're balanced or not. Don't care. I, I like the green and gold ones. And 
I was just pleased that he stuck to this. You know, some people could go out there and basically, you know, say, I'm done with this. This is too hard. Yeah, I'll get your money back. Or, hey, bye, see ya. But not him. Matt kept sending us updates. I mean, it was constant updates about this stuff. He even said over there that his mama helped him do the packaging. Maybe this will give me some encouragement for the Arkham Horror dice that still, two years later, I'm still waiting on. Well, I hope you do get them. But, you know, hey, a happy story. This Kickstarter finally came through for us. Great customer service. He didn't fulfill the order completely, and he immediately got me all of our order. So I'm real happy with the turnout on that. So that's basically it. Just a quick follow-up, kind of like one of those NPR segments where we said in this past show, and now we've corrected it. It's all over, Bullwinkle. Hey, Marty, you may have to kick this one off. My head's still hurting from that thrashing I was doing while we were playing Blood of Heroes there. (laughs) Holy cow, get some Viking rock going there. That is just incredible. That's Viking metal, baby. Metal, my baby. You know, hey, it's not Chainsaw, but it is Viking metal. And what was the name of that band again? Twire. Twire. T-Y-R, guys. Go look it up. Yeah, we actually got listened to some interviews of them pronouncing their name, so we tried to get the name pronounced right. It's a Viking god. But anyway, yeah, uh, so when you pick that name, it's like, okay, yeah, we got to use this song. Good stuff. Anyway, sorry. We're, we're not talking here to talk about the music. Anyway, go ahead. Blood Rage. This is a game that Marty and I have played a couple of times. Marty's played it more than a couple of times. That Marty, I guess, sum it up for us. Is it something that you like? Do you like the game? Oh my gosh, yeah, I, I, I love the game. And I loved it the first time I got to play it. And I actually talked about the game back in the spring when I got to go to the Cool Meteor Not Expo and actually got to sit down with designer Eric Lang and try it out. And after the first play, I was just absolutely blown away. Again, one of those games I had heard you know, very little about, didn't know much about, but it was like I sat down and played it and went, yeah, this is really good. And as other people started talking... A lot of people have been saying that this is definitely in contention for one of their top games of the year. Now, it was on Kickstarter, but you can easily order it from Cool Mini, right? Of course. But yeah, it's one of those things, again, if you backed it on Kickstarter, you know the way Cool Mini is, you get all this cool stuff. And it's amazing what came with the Kickstarter version. You got the base game. Okay, you you paid for that. But then all this extra stuff came. The Gods expansion, an extra clan uh, a bunch of extra monsters that can be used, some mystics that can be used. They just threw in all this extra stuff. Definitely worth backing. I mean, it was enough that you would be still painting these figures for, what, two, three years from now? The great thing about Cool Mini or Not games is they have really great figures. And it, it never fails. When we sit down to play this game, somebody says, you know, you really should paint these. I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be sweet. But like each clan has like 10 figures per clan. There's a bunch of different monsters. I, I just don't have time to paint them all. What you should do is one of these days, you should just get four primary colors and spray paint them. There, they're painted. Shut up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just unreal. Now, the couple of times I've played, I've been, you know, um, I, I came back from this last time, a negative taste in my mouth, but we'll go into that later. But why don't you tell the people, if you haven't played Blood Rage, what's the object of the game? And don't tell me it's score the most points. Okay, I won't. It's score the most glory. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) 
it is, I guess at its core tone, I guess we'd say it's kind of like an area control game. Uh, you have a map and you're in control of clans and each clan has eight warriors, a leader and a ship to start out with. And the goal of the game is to deploy your guys out onto the map and to pillage the various provinces. And by pillaging, you might end up fighting against somebody else. And if you win battles, you gain points. And there are cards that can be played during the course of the game, like maybe a quest card where if you fulfill the quest, you get points. So there are various ways in order to get points. And the game is broken up into basically three ages. Now, Tony, I knew you that you'd really like this because... At its core, when it comes, it's an action selection game where you have five actions to choose from, which I'll talk about in a minute. But also at its core is the card drafting mechanic. Yeah, the card drafting. I will always love games, or that may be too strong after the second play, but I, I enjoy those card drafting games. I, I like where you have a strategy that you're building it and you're going from there. So each age, you're dealt, everybody's dealt eight cards. You're going to take one card, pass it to your left, and you have to keep six. Those consist of three different types of cards. They have the upgrade cards, which can be used to make your leaders or your warriors or your ships better. Or actually, you can have something called a monster upgrade where you can take control of one of those cool monsters and use them uh, in the game also. Uh, You also have quest cards, which I had mentioned, which basically will say, hey, at the end of this age, if you have the most strength in one of these provinces, maybe you score points. Or if you have at least four people in Valhalla, which is where you go when you die, you get points. So another way to get points, that's that's how that happens. The last card is a battle card, which are used during, well, shock, battle. So when you go to fight somebody else, you add up all the strength of your guys against the people that you're fighting against. Each of you play one card, and on that card is a number that increases your strength. Whoever has the highest strength wins the battle. Right. Now, one thing about the battle, and this was something that was kind of neat. Now, I, I like the cosmic encounterish of playing the battle cards. But it's not like you against me, like in Cos- uh, Cosmic, well, Cosmic Counter actually uses the blood rage mechanism where others can come and join the battle, right? Yes, but they don't really gain those benefits per se. Right. Usually when you come to join a battle, you're trying to prevent the person who's doing the pillaging from being able to get the reward for pillaging. Now, and keep in mind, it's not like everybody can just, oh, come to the battle. There's, you know, there's an island and there are circles where only figures can occupy those areas. And if it's all full up in that island area, they can't join, right? Well, it's the whole thing is an island and the island's broken up into provinces and each province has circles inside of it. Yes. Yeah, so each province is a limit, has a limited number of figures that can go in that province, except for the middle one, which is called Yurgasil, mm-hmm. uh, which it could be a one huge free-for-all if you want it to be. But yeah, when you uh, battle, and that's actually one of the actions is called pillage. When you have your guy sitting inside of a province, you say, I want to pillage. Then what happens is you, you go around the table to the person to the left of the person who started that, and a the next person can bring in one of their warriors into that provinces to help defend it if they're adjacent to it. So you keep going around the table until every space in that province is filled or everybody has passed. And then at that point, everybody that's involved in the battle, you take one card, you put it on the table, you turn over that card, you resolve whoever has the highest strength wins. If the person who did the pillaging wins, they get the reward of the tile that is on the uh, in the province, which is typically upgrading one of your stats. And if you lose, everybody who loses goes to Valhalla and is destroyed for that age. And if you tie, everybody. Everybody's gone. Yeah, exactly. Now, one really cool thing about the battle mechanic, though, is that the loser gets to keep their battle card 
where the winner has to give theirs away. Mm-hmm. I really kind of like that. So it's not like you're wasting a card. If you lose, you still get it back. But what's neat is some of the cards actually give you a benefit if you lose. Like if you lose this paddle, uh, battle, still to glory from the other player. Or better yet, cancel everybody else's effects and play again. And there were just some really powerful cards out there that you had to determine, do I really want to win this time? There's a lot of strategy there. Sure there is. And talked about the different types of um, actions. Uh, Some of the actions require some sort of resource to pay for them. One of the actions that you have is to invade. That's where you take one of your clan members and actually put them out on the board. And to put them out on the board, you have to pay their strength. For example, if I want to put out a warrior, he costs a strength one. Your resource for paying for things is something called rage ah blood rage there it is and everybody starts out with a blood rage of six so if you want to deploy somebody you pay that cost you put it on the board and and you move on to the next person's turn other actions include like doing upgrades i mentioned those upgrade cards before which will give you that's where you start to distinguish yourself between Mm -hmm. your clan and some other people's clans by the upgrades you get like one of the ones i really love is uh, when I deploy or invade with a figure, I get to do a warrior for free. Right. Uh, I, I really love that. But there's a cost for that. So you pay that rage. And there's another one where you could do a march where you could take all your figures from one province and move them to any other province. There's playing a quest, which is simply for free. Taking one of the quest cards, put it face down on your board. And at the end of the age, if you fulfill that quest, uh, then you get the points for that quest. At its core, it's card drafting, action selection, and some area control. But from a management standpoint, the rage, it's how you pay for things. And if you're not thinking far enough ahead, and this is what always turned around and bit me in the butt, was that if you didn't have enough rage, you'd go and move a warrior into a uh, land or, or deploy somebody or invade or whatever. And if, and if you're spending your rage too quickly, playing cards and moving guys, then at the end, right when you think you can pillage, you look down your sheet, you're out of rage. And that really stinks. <laughs> yeah, one of the really cool mechanics that really stuck out to me is the fact that even though some of these actions are free, like playing a quest and pillaging are free, if you don't have at least one rage, you can't even take those free actions. Mm-hmm. So there's something you really have to think about uh, you can't just like, I'm going to spend everything, then do all the free stuff. Nope. You got to maintain at least one rage to even do the free stuff. Some of you've probably seen out there some really cool models of some really awesome sea dragons and frost giants and things like that. They're not part of your clan, but they can be because those are part of the cards, right, Marty? Yeah, those are the monster upgrades that I had mentioned. So when you're doing your card drafting, you may decide, I really want this cool frost giant. You take him, you pay for him, you immediately get that frost giant, and every clan has a certain color base, and you take one of the extra bases that you have, you stick it on that figure, and you can deploy it. And then all of a sudden, you have these big, huge beasts in the middle of the map that just look incredible. Oh, yeah. And now this was the concept that I kept forgetting about is if your boat comes into the fjord and it's between two provinces right correct so it can count either way when when there's a pillaging going on so that's something you got to pay attention to is if you deploy that boat you get in both provinces right that's exactly right so you you're dealing with that there's just a lot to it you know and then okay wow you guys have talked a lot about doing stuff and there's only three ages and did you mention the destroying of each of the provinces I did not. So at the beginning of the game, in a four-player game, immediately one province will be destroyed and not used. What happens is Ragnarok occurs, which is kind of like the uh, Viking apocalypse. 
And at the end of each age, there's going to be one more province that's destroyed. At the beginning of the game, you randomly determine, you have these uh, tiles that you put out, and you randomly determine which of the provinces are going to be destroyed over the course of the game. So you know where it's going to happen. So let's say, for example, there's one of the blue provinces is going to be destroyed at the end of age one. Uh, after everybody has passed and taken all their turns, they uh, resolve their quest. And then what's going to happen is Ragnarok is going to occur. And if there's any figures in the province where Ragnarok occurs, all those figures are destroyed. But since they went up in a blaze of glory, you actually get victory points for being destroyed by Ragnarok. Those figures go to Valhalla, and then at the very end of the age, all the figures come back out, and you have them begin to use next age. Rinse, repeat. So destroy everybody, pull them all back, draft some cards, invade some lands, score glory, and you're good to go. That's the game. And it talked about the, doing the pillaging and what that gives you is there's three other uh, resource tracks that you can increase over time. One is the amount of rage you get to, at the beginning of each age. So if you pillage a place that increases that stat, then you'll get more rage at, at the beginning of the age each time. Another one is you'll get the, if you upgrade one of the other stats, the, um, the axes stat, then you'll get more glory every time you win a, a battle. And the last one is the horn stat. At first, you can only put four figures on the map. If you want to put more than that, you need to go pillage one of the provinces that lets you increase that stat to get more figures on the board. So all that has to be managed over the course of the game. But one thing that really sticks out to me that I just love, it sounds like it would be an Ameritrash game because it's very thematic, but it's very much a Euro game. There's not a lot of luck involved in this game. No, it's not unless it's, you talking about the card playing during the uh, the encounters you know did, did he beat me or not but that strategy in that is knowing which ones to play and how do you want to do it later a lot of that has to come in so there's your strategy it's not luck rolling the dice or anything it's right there i agree with you on that and so then after three ages basically the person with the most points wins now one thing that i have seen is we start talking about how we feel about this game there is a lot of scoring at the very end of the game and the reason why is uh, if you can up, uh, upgrade each of your stats to a certain point, both either your rage or your axes or your horns, if you get them up high enough, they'll get you 10 points just for upgrading them to a certain point. If you get them maxed out, they'll give you 20 points. So if you max out all three of those stats, you'll get 60 points at the end of the game, which could totally make a difference in the game. Yeah, it can. And we'll discuss that a little bit more because that's where I'm going to ran a little bit, but that's okay. So, but one of the neat things is now none of the clans start out special from any other. They're all base. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so there's no special powers with this clan over this clan. So it really is what you make of it as you're playing. How well you decide, well, maybe I want to increase the rage so I can do more actions later, or maybe I want to feel more people because I was able to get that card that Marty was talking about where you can deploy another um, warrior out there. Or better yet, maybe it's something that I need to do from the standpoint of I know I'm going to be pillaging a lot, so I'm going to ramp up my glory so that when I do, I can get that. Um, those score those points from the glory. Now, one thing about the um, going to the center and everybody getting there, Marty, that has a special stat upgrade token, right? That's correct. The very center section is adjacent to all the other provinces. And what's so special about it is if you pillage in that area, each one of your stats get to increase by one, where typically all the other provinces you can only increase one stat by one there is one that just gives you flat out five uh, victory points or glory but the one in the middle 
each stat increased by one. So when somebody wants to go in there and pillage, anybody can join that fight. And that's where I said it's an unlimited number that can go in there and you can have a huge battle. It's very thematic. It's it's actually very easy to learn, guys. Quick to play. You'd be surprised at how quick, assuming everybody's willing to not AP over their turns, you can map it out real quick. Can I rant here? Go for it, man, because I'm curious what you're going to rant about. I hate, okay, hate's too strong a word. I strongly despise the additional points for running up your three stats. I do not like that. I think it creates a runaway of a game, and I will never like that part of a game. Well, then why don't you just increase your stats? Well, the, okay. So how do you increase your stats? Well, it's by going and pillaging a certain area. And if you win, you can increase your stats. All right. So I've already won and pillaged, and I got glory for that. And now you're going to let me go on top of that, increase those stats. So at the end of the game, I can add 60 points. And if I just so happens to have a bad luck of the card draw or from the fact that my drafting didn't go like I had planned, then suddenly I am way behind and there is no way to catch up if that occurs. You're done. Unless you play quest cards because every quest card also has the thing that says if you fulfill the quest, you can increase one of your stats by one. Yeah. If you can get the quest cards, I agree with it. If you meet those quests and some of those quests, even though they sound fairly simple, get four people in Valhalla and you get those quests. I agree with you, but some of them are get the max strength in this province area, these three sections. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Heck, I haven't won any pillages. How am I going to complete this quest? Oh, once again, I have gotten farther and farther behind. So once again, there's no way for me to quickly move forward or to gain any type. And that's fine. If you don't, someone can run away, <clears throat> Travis, from a game and completely decimate or be lucky enough to pull in a strategy that really benefits. And he did that. He did, he did an incredible job, Marty. Here's son kicked our tail in. Well, yes, he did. But now that's kind of interesting because when we first started playing this game, early on, there's this uh, concept called the Loki strategy where you get these cards where you get benefits by losing and you get extra points when guys are released from Valhalla and you can score a lot of points from that. So early on, everybody said, oh, we'll just do the Loki strategy. That's the easy play. The more I play this game, the less people are able to do that because number one, everybody knows about it. So you can keep that person that's trying to run that strategy from getting those cards during the draft. But now also other people are finding ways to score a lot of points. And, and you mentioned one of them. And Tony, I will admit that is, that is true. Yesterday I taught a couple of uh, our friends this game and one person was able to max out all three of their stats. And also the quest at the end of the game are worth a lot of points and they're worth like 10 or 11 points just because of the quest and his final stats, he scored 90 points just like that. And before the and before we scored, he'd only had like 30-something. He went from 30-something to 120-something instantly. Right. But if you were playing, you were like, okay, I can see him running those stats up so I can do the same. And it negates. I agree with that. So if you can negate other points on a game by you doing the same thing, then why even have it? I just, that, and I know I'm being, uh, I'm, this is a knit to a very, very good game. But to me, it's, I'm not seeing the benefit of putting those additional points on there. I just don't see it, but that's just me in these types of games. You would actually like to see how it would play without the bonus points yeah. for ramping up your stats. 
to me, I think it would maybe, I don't know, maybe it won't, but to me, it's on there for a reason. Eric Lang's a genius. I'm not going to disagree with his game, but to me, I don't see the need for him because why does it matter? Because you can cancel them out. Anytime points cancel them out, do you really need it? Well, I mean, you could, well, the, I'm, I'm confused because I can cancel out points too. If you win a battle, then I'll go battle and cancel out the points you just got. If your glory points are the uh, same as mine. So once again, if you move that glory point up, then maybe that's where battling comes in a little bit more. Okay. Oh, no, I, I see what you're saying because, yes, every game I have played, the most amount of the scoring occurs at the very end because most people will get one or two of their stats up into the 10-point range and will immediately score probably 20, and most people will probably get around 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can understand it. Don't get me wrong, guys. It's one of those things that, I mean, it's, it's part of the game. It's part of the strategies you've got to work on. It forces you to want, and maybe that's the reason for it. It forces you to have to level those stats up so you can get those points instead of just trying to sit some maniacal. No, that's a laugh. <laughs> maniacal. maniacal laugh. So anyway, Maybe it's uh, 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 to keep that, you know, oh, I've got this engine going, this rage engine going, and that's all I'm doing. You know, I'm just sitting back. and But this way, he's forcing you to go out and pillage and to do that. So I see both sides of it. So I guess maybe that was the bad taste I had, other than the fact I lost by over 200 points, it felt like, <laughs> the other day. And, and I just, it just, nothing clicked for me that game. Nothing. Now, I understand that. In fact, I think Travis almost or did Lapis. No, he didn't. Don't give him that much credit. I won't let him do it. I know he doesn't okay. listen, but he came. I was. I was watching him. I think I've got to figure out how to make up points just so he can't lap me. I don't care. Yeah, uh, yeah I had this uh, quest right here. And you're right. In the, in the various ages of the cards, the points ramp up. But once again, if you're calling, controlling the strength in a various area for a quest – guess what you've pretty much done? You've probably pillaged that area and probably gotten those stats. So you're just compounding stats upon stats upon stats. But maybe you have to do that in order to make the game's interaction work. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. So on our um, RO scale, what are you going to give it? I'm going to give it, it's a great game. It's not a buy for me. It's a great game. I will play it anytime you put it on the um table for us and i really love the gods um expansion that you put in the other day i i really enjoyed that i think that changes the game tremendously oh in fact let me just mention that real quick what the gods expansion is, is that doesn't come with the pace game but the gods expansion is it takes a figure and puts it on one of the provinces and wherever that god is it gives it a special ability like one of them was one of the gods was anytime there's a battle here no figures are destroyed or the big one was the Odin was if you successfully pillage this area, you get the reward twice. Right. And the, uh, the only problem I had with that was Odin kept falling off his throne as we moved him. <laughs> yeah, the the Odin and his throne are two separate things, but I think it's kind of cool so you can paint it. But yeah, that's true. So for me, it's it is a it is a must buy. It fits a niche that I was really looking for. A very thematic Euro game that works. I think that it's sometimes hard to get a game with a lot of heavy Euro point salad mechanics to have a good theme. And this one does it. Not in spades, but in axes. Mm, yeah, I hear you. Well, I'll tell you what, after this discussion, why don't we take a break, go pillage the pantry for some energy drinks or food, zone bars, before um, we get on to our next Viking theme game. And let's just hear what's going on over at Portal. 
Well, as the year closes down, Portal Games has had another banner year with their tremendous amount of releases from the release of Niroshima Hex expansions to Rattle Battle Grab the Loot, Tides of Times, and the list can go on and on. So Marty, you know, as we go into 2016, we're really looking to see what Ignacy pulls out at Portal. Yeah, I can't wait. In fact, you know, every once in a while he'll tease us on Twitter for some games that he's working on and playtesting and everything. So I can't wait to see what he comes out with in 2016. Like you said, incredible year uh, in 2015. Can he talk? in 2016 or at least match it i think with a guy like ignacy i think he can so to continue our vikings game reviews let's move to the next big vikings game that just came out from gray fox games champions of midgard by designer ole steinus this is a game that when you first look at it tony and you have to agree when i put this out didn't you see boy, that kind of looks like lords of Waterdeep. yeah it looks like well it looked like any worker type placement game with tiles to me. I mean, the art was, don't get us wrong, gorgeous art. I enjoyed the art. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, yeah, but I think just the shape of the board, the fact that you had these uh, standard buildings that are there and random buildings that come out for your workers to go to, it kind of had the the look of a Lords of Water and Deep, but it's not. It is a totally different game because this worker placement game includes a dice mechanic. Which is so cool, man. I like that. <laughs> I was like, dice in a worker placement game? Now, wait a minute. Hold on here. It's a neat blending of mechanics, guys. I, you know, after Blood Rage and the beating, I'm like, oh, good. Finally, a game I can play that I know I can actually possibly win, which didn't hold true. But we won't go and put salt in that wound. Once again, your son... What are you teaching them boys over there? Well, they're in school, so they're constantly working their minds where we're just, you know, at work not doing much of anything. Champions of Midgard, it's, it is. It's a worker placement. You start out with a set of, of workers, and you've got areas where you can go visit. And I'm going to give it the Tony um, condensed version because, you know, that's just really how I work. And that's where, hey, you go out there and you can draft up your players. Now, one thing I will say, Marty, and this is, you know, I'm all over the board. You are all I'm over, all the, over board the board. I'm all over the board. I am. But that's okay. I've, you've lost me at okay, this point. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it right this time. So you start out. Everybody gets to pick a character. And these characters all have special traits. Like mine, for instance, said that when they were fighting with a sword dice, it counts as a double hit, where your guy had some other special thing. What was there you could do? Mine was... Um, Everybody gets a secret objective at the beginning of the game. And at the end of the game, if you meet that objective, you get points. Well, you can go get some more of those. And if you go to that area on the board, I would get to look at the two top two cards and pick one I want to keep. Right. And so there's all these characters that you can pick from. But once again, this is going to floor you guys. The objective of the game was to score the most points. The most glory. Was, the gl was this one also called glory? It doesn't matter. You're scoring points, people. <laughs> yeah. Whoever has the most victory points wins. Yeah, I mean, it's a basic worker placement game. Like you said, you've got three meeples that are going to go out. Each building can hold one person. And it's an idea of trying to gather resources that are going to be used to pay for other things. And the basic resources in this game were wood, food, and gold. And you had different places on the board that you can go and obtain those sorts of things. The whole goal of the game was kind of like you are Vikings in a village and you're trying to protect the village from these monsters 
monsters that are trying to attack you. Like every single round, there's going to be a troll that's out there attacking the village that you need to go defend against. Also, there's going to be these other monsters called, how did you pronounce it? Dragger? Draugr? That sounds good. Uh, Yeah, that's good. D-R-A-U-G-R? Draugrs, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so there's these couple other monsters that you can fight, plus you can take your Viking boats out into the oceans and fight sea monsters out there. And by finding these monsters, you're going to gain basically what you use to win the game, which is glory, the victory points. I mean, you just go out, you put your worker. So I want to go get more warriors and each card can hold up to, I think it was eight warriors, Marty, if I remember correctly. And you could go out there and you can place your worker and draft more Vikings to go out. And then, or you can go put your worker to go do the battle, like you're saying, or this was a really neat thing. There were these quest cards. I call them quest cards. I know they weren't quest cards, but they're quest cards for this discussion where you could go out and it would give you secret objectives that would give you more glory or points. If you completed it, like you beat the most cave trolls or you beat the most blue monsters or the most yellow monsters. That was kind of neat. You can go get more of those, or you can go get these rune cards that give you special advantages for that turn. Like I had one Marty that I said, if I went out and beat this monster, I got the half the points rounded down. And I love the boat idea, Marty, the, the, the taking your Viking ship out there to battle the sea monsters. But why is there meat in the game or food? Because Vikings get hungry when they go on the boat. So you've got to have some food for them to eat while they prepare for battle out on the open seas. That. So you've got to put food in the boat. You got to put your Vikings in the boat. They go do battle. And you better hope that some fortune in the ocean doesn't come up and wipe you out. What were those things called? So anyway, I threw Marty a curveball. Journey cards. Journey cards. There you go, people. Let's just talk about the, we're talking about the Warriors, but people are like, what do you mean the Warriors? Here's what we mean. We talked about the dice mechanic of the game. The Warriors are the dice. There's three different types of Warriors. There's the Swordsmen, which are the white dice. There are the Spearmen, which are the red dice. And there are the Axemen, which are the black dice. Now, each of these dice have different uh, types of symbols on them. For example, the most basic is the Swordsmen. They have a couple of sword icons on there that can be used to do damage to a monster, plus a shield. Meanwhile, the spearmen have uh, one extra non-blank side and uh, and another shield for for blocking against attacks. The axemen are all about the strength. Axemen don't have any shields, but they can deal out the most damage. So what you want to do is you got to get a certain combination of these warriors to go and attack the monsters. And as Tony said, let's say I want to attack the troll. I'll take my worker and I'll place it on the troll square. And after everybody's placed their workers, we go into battle mode. And I'm going to take a certain number of my dice and put it on the troll to attack that that troll likewise everybody else if they've put a worker for the monster or the sea monsters they'll deploy a certain number of dice to each one of those to go into battle battle's really straightforward you pick up your hand of dice and you roll you compare the number of hits on the dice against the health of the monster if it exceeds it you beat the monster, you get the rewards. However, the monster's dealing damage back to you. Maybe say it's one or two. Let's say it's just two for example sakes. If you uh, don't have any shields, two of your dice are going to be going go back to the supply. So they're going to be destroyed. Uh, for every shield that you have, you can block one of those hits. But let's say, for example, after you roll, you don't do enough damage. You resolve his attack against you and you roll again. You keep on rolling until one, the monster is dead or all your dice are gone. And this combat works the exact same way with the trolls, the dragger, 
and the sea monsters. The only difference is, Tony, is the sea monsters, like you said, you got to put food into the boat. And there's things that can happen. The food can get washed overboard. And if you don't have enough food, you lose, lose your battle dice out there. So I really like that concept, Marty. Now, one thing you we both didn't mention is, and if you did mention, I hate to repeat, but that's okay. Some of the monsters are impervious to various battles. Like you can't take a swordsman out there or you, or the spearmen are scared of the nasty little sea monster out there. So that also plays into who's going to go battle. So you guys are talking a lot about battling versus worker placement. Well, that's it. That's what takes this game to the next level for a worker placement game. I agree. It does add a whole new mechanic and each of the monsters provides you different things. For example, the troll, if you beat the troll monster you get to get rid of a blame token and you may say wait a minute you have not mentioned blame token. Yeah. Well, here's what happens that troll is going to attack the village every round if nobody defeats that troll every player gets a blame token which counts as negative victory points at the end of the game if you do defeat a troll and you have a blame token you can hand that off to somebody else which tony in our game made a difference in the game on who won the game. It was awesome. I loved it. The blame token came in and it went from the first person being in first place to the person being in second place. That was, that was great. Exactly. Because of the last troll that happened. So if you beat the troll, you get rid of a blame token. Plus you get some wood and you get, I believe it was gold also. Uh, for, yes. Or is it victory points? Victory, it points. victory points. points and wood. Yep. And so if you beat the draugers, you got gold and victory points. And if you beat the sea monsters, you got victory points and the favor tokens, which are plus two points uh, at the end of the game for each token. And they can be used as rerolls. So how do you mitigate the luck of the dice? You collect favor tokens that you can use to help reroll any bad dice rolls that you have. And if you don't go out there, so Marty talked about the cave trolls, nobody bounds and comes in, he wrecks the village and we blame one another and everybody gets blamed. But the sea monsters, they're out there scarfing up the fish, hurting the village and things like that. So bounties go on them. So it makes them more gold gets placed on them every time they hang around. So it makes it worth you to go out into the sea. But you take a risk with the journey unless you happen to get the lucky card that says, look at the journeys. And then you can mitigate your risk out there, which Marty pulled people. And for that game, we all knew which one not to attack because Marty wasn't going out there to attack. <laughs> yeah. So most of the cards are a bad effect, except for a few cards just say no effect at all. It's our sunny day at the beach for champions of Midgard. Mm -hmm. So no, nothing bad happens. But it could be like you have to fight an additional monster like a Kraken or like you said, you lose some food or a warrior or et cetera. So at its core, that's really all it is. It's just managing your resources to be able to get more warriors so that you can try to obtain some more favor tokens and some gold that can be used to get the resources you need to fight even more monsters to get even more glory. And the person the most glory at the end wins. You basically play through eight rounds. And Tony, this game plays Fast. Yeah, I'll admit though, the last two rounds took us a lot longer than I thought it was, the way we were ticking them off. But that's when everybody, it's like every worker placement, those last two rounds, people are really contemplating their next moves. Yeah, plus by that time, people may have already bought an extra worker. So everybody's taking an extra turn in those last couple rounds. One of the things I do want to mention, and we'll be wrapping this thing up here, is the, what's your replayability, guys? Well, there's a ton of monsters, and but what's interesting is you also have the capability of having different 
places show up. You know, it's randomly sorted. And I think there was like, uh, if I counted correctly, maybe eight or 12 um, total pieces that will get laid out uh, randomly on the board. And therefore, you know, each game's going to be slightly different, but the main concept is still there. Defeat the monsters, get the food so you can go defeat the monsters, buy the wood so the wood can get you stuff. It's worker placement with dice. There you go. Yeah, it is. And again, I was a really afraid the dice was going to hurt it for me because of bad dice. Now, Tony, there's some bad dice rolls. Mm-hmm. Remember, there's one place called the Hunting Grounds. That was so funny. Oh, that was hilarious. I wanted food because one of my secret objectives is the person with the most food wins. So you can deploy warriors out to the Hunting Grounds, and you basically roll all your dice. And I had four dice. Roll all your dice. For every hit that you get on the die, you get a food. I rolled four dice, blank, 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 blank. And I had no favorite tokens for a reroll. Yeah. So basically all the animals were hidden in the forest and you all were too noisy making, going out there, having a good old time. You didn't kill anything. So uh, it happens. Again, if you aren't afraid of a Euro style game with a dice mechanic, this is definitely one to check out. You know what, Tony, like Blood Rage, thematically, this one works too as a Vikings game. Yeah, I, I like how he did it. You know, the art's kind of cutesy, but I do like the theme behind it. I like the dice mechanics that builds to the theme. I'm with you. So obviously, for me, I think this is a great game. It's almost a must-buy, but it's a it's a great game. How about for you? And it's one of those things for me, I'm going to say it's a it's a great game too. I do wonder about the replayability. You did say, and it's true, there are like eight different buildings that can come out and you can play different Vikings to get a different feel. But I think after a while, I wonder if you'll feel like it's kind of the same game over and, and over. And I had to play a lot to determine that. Now, I will say that for you, for the people that are listening, again, I think you have to weigh the dice. If the If you think the dice sounds really cool, I think I would bump it up on your hype or must try a bit. If you think the dice would be detrimental to you liking it, then I, I would lower it a little bit because it, it just it may not be your thing. Regardless, it is a good, solid game. And the thing is, uh, it's, a lot of people say, I'm going to replace Lords of Waterdeep with this. I don't know that I'll get rid of Lords of Waterdeep because there's enough to me It's a little bit different Waterdeep than this that I would want to have both. I can understand that having played Lords of the Waterdeep. I had to do it. <laughs> Sorry, man. I had to throw it in there. I guess if you were to say which one would I rather play because I'm such a fan of dice type games, then champions would go on the table for me. But then again, I've yet to go back and play Lords of Waterdeep with the Skulls and Skull Scoundrels expansion. Yeah. And that, that game makes it totally different for me. So I'm very pleased with Champions of Midgard. I think for me, Tony, this is the game that's going to really put Gray Fox on the map. Again, we talk about hype. This was one of those games that had a lot of hype before I ever got to try it. And it wasn't one of those things that said, I'm immediately going to buy it. But it was enough hype that I said I really wanted to try it. And I got to try it at Gen Con. And I walked away going, that's pretty good. Another show under the belt. We're getting on the planes. BGG Con. Here we come. When we get back, we're going to hopefully have a lot of little voice party people joining us as we're at BGG Con. But hope you enjoyed our Viking-themed show today. What's a voice party, people? It's that thing where we got a bunch of people together, we're having a big party with them, and they're, okay, forget it. Never mind. <laughs> we only have two episodes left in this calendar year, and one of them is going to be our big BGG special, and our last episode of the year will be our third anniversary special where 
Uh, I guess we're going to have to get working on that, Tony, because that, that's usually a big one for us each year. So you have to come up with something special with it. But yeah, so uh, this has been a, a fun episode talking about the whole Vikings theme. We got it was funny when we sat down to play uh, both uh, Blood Rage and Champions of Good Mar- uh, Champions of Good Martin. That's good. Midgard. My, my son Travis said, "Hold on." He said, "Pulled out the Bluetooth speaker, <laughs> searched Viking Metal on Pandora, <laughs> and we listened to Viking Metal for a couple hours as we played these games, which was pretty awesome." Yeah, I think I still need to take some more leave to recover from that thrashing of the Viking Metal. <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. It's just I'm not as young as I used to be, uh, and that's that's fun. I can deal with. No, but the voice party. Who knows? We might trick people into getting on our next episode from BGG. You never do know. Now, see, now that's just going to put pressure on us now. Now we feel like we have to deliver because you said that. Why couldn't you just let it have been a surprise? And that way, if we fail, nobody would ever have known. Well, they know us by now. They know that there's a potential for failure. (laughs) Goodness. Potential. We've, We've demonstrated failure. I would like to congratulate our friends over at Dukes of Dice, Tony, as they are now members of the Dice Tower Network. Congratulations. Who'd they bump off to get on? We know Bonacore took out (laughs) Game Boy Geek. Who'd they take out? (laughs) That's a good point. They must have put a hit on somebody. I haven't looked at the list to see who's gone. The thing is, though, it's like, you know, I was very reluctant to even mention them because, you know, they're the guys that steal our regular guests. That's okay. They can they can do that. We'll let them have at it. So, I mean, they'll learn that she is not a cheap guest. (laughs) You are referring to um, Suzanne, of course, who is who has been a guest on there uh, frequently. And I want to know what they're giving her that that's enticing her to go over there. And she's not coming on our show. I have no earthly idea, but that's their business. None of are so guys welcome to the dice tower enjoy it get ready for having to start every show member of the dice tower network you might as well just go ahead and cut that segment into it so it can be wrapped in as you edit the show like marty does us and if you do forget then uh tom um sends uh one of bonacore's cronies to come and break your kneecaps so just remember you careful with that you know the pod father now that you're part of the part of the network Once again, guys, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate you paying attention to us out there and participating on the Guild as always. And hopefully, you know, we'll have some great stories like last year when I was completely embarrassed trying to explain um, eminent domain as Seth Jaffe walked up and looked at me and told me to walk away from the game. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, we'll probably have some good anecdotes and a lot of things going on. And like you said, Tony, uh, yeah, we appreciate everybody that comes out to the Guild and contributes. Thanks for everybody who talks to us on Twitter. We would love to have some reviews over on iTunes, which is always helpful to us. And we got some big things that we're hopefully going to work on in 2016 that we hope to to share in our third uh, year anniversary show. So guys, if do us a favor, just keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening to RDTN. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our BGG Guild. Like us on Facebook. Hey, Marty, you know what's not going to be all hyped up? I have no idea. It's our show. (laughs) 
Hey, Tony, you know all those games that have been released over at Essen? I wish I had. I wish there was a good way to get them over here. Well, there is because Fun Again Games have started getting a lot of those games into their online store for you to be able to order right now. All right, so what you're telling me is those Europe release games are now over here at the States and we're going to be paying non-international shipping. That's right. It's kind of worth it. Check it out. Funagamegames.com. Funagamegames.com.